0: That's NOom.com to sign up today.
1: Yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Keep or Cut podcast. We have hit another milestone. It is episode 80, the Jerry Rice episode. I don't know if there are any famous number 80s in baseball, chat. I'm probably embarrassingly forgetting somebody, but that's a high number.
2: It is, but I thought we were on 79. So (laughs) I'm not sure we're actually
1: here. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm, Uh, I'm pulling up the Omni page now. And oh, it looks like you're right. It's episode 70. So we are not. We are not at the miles. Jerry Rice has
2: to wait another week.
1: Yeah, Jerry Rice is going to have to wait. And whoever the heck number 79 is, you know, mad props to you. This is your episode. But um,
2: anyway, 79 is a weird one, right? I mean, I'm pulling up. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pulling up the, that baseball reference page. Oh, there is actually, there is a famous 79. And I should have known this because he plays in a division and torments my guardians. That's Jose Abreu. Oh, Jose Abreu is number go. 79. So that's a, that's a legit number 79. There was a 79 on, that's interesting. He's listed as 79 in the Red Sox last year, but not this year. That's Cutter Crawford. So I don't know if he changed numbers. Well, he looked a little bit uh, better this year. He was kind of so on and off. If he so. did change numbers, it was a good decision.
1: <laughs> yeah, stay away stay away from 79. So we'll call it the Jose Abreu episode. Yeah. Give us a follow, by the way. Going to hit you early with this at at keep or cut because we're going to be churning out all sorts of good content during the offseason. The offseason is where it's at for the Keeper Cup podcast. Follow Chad at at Chad Young. He has a ton of great content coming out, specifically something that he's going to talk a lot more about in this episode because that's what this episode is about, is Otnew new arbitration. So be on the lookout for that article from Chad. You can, again, follow him at, at Chad Young. And you can follow me at at Pete B. Baseball, if you want, like, one tweet a week complaining about the Celtics or something, then, you know, by all means, give me a follow. <laughs>
2: But, but he um, doesn't need one tweet a week complaining about the Celtics? That's a yeah, the three and zero without that tweet, have, like
1: the front runner for MVP right now. Yeah, just come and see <laughs> me complain about that. Anyway, we're here on October twenty third. Bryce Harper just sent the Phillies to the World Series. Yeah, and it's like, like it's probably you know, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx anything, but hopefully the Astros go into the World Series as well. And in the fantasy world, if you play aught new, it is now. Arbitration season. So, Chad, before we jump into arbitration, any thoughts on the MLB playoffs so far?
2: Yeah, that, that, uh, the Harper home run. And just, you know, I mean, look, I'm, I live in Seattle and I'm a Mariners ticket holder and I'm a Guardians fan. So I have lots of, I have lots of other thoughts, but I was just thinking about like, you know, we see teams go out and sign these star players. And there's always this like, this is the guy who's going to put us over the top. He's going to make the difference, blah, blah. blah and like, I'm not sure I can remember an example of a team going out and signing a guy like that, making him the centerpiece of their like, this is the future for our organization. And then he comes up with a hit like that in that kind of moment. Like that is just an awesome, awesome thing. And yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, I want the National League to win the World Series. I don't care which team, I don't care who they're facing. And I didn't care which NL team it was by the time we got to the, the ALCS and the NLCS the Astros, you got all the, the, the baggage that comes with the Astros and the Yankees. I, you know, honestly, like there's things about this Yankees team. Like I, I don't have the Red Sox history that you do. Right. So I'm not, I'm not naturally as anti-Yankee as maybe you are. And like, I like Stanton. I like judge. There's guys that seem like Nestor Cortez is super fun, but they have spent the last two weeks, whining and complaining about how bad their luck is and how nothing's going their way and all this stuff. And it's just like, just shut up and play the games like Aaron Boone being like, oh, I really think having the roof open really that really hurt us. It's like, dude, you're seriously a home run to right field didn't get out if you're over your your like 400 or you're like uh, 300 foot fence and all of a sudden, you know, the, the roof in Houston is a problem. It's like, come on, dude, just you know, at least at least go out there and like own it, right? Like, hey, we've played terribly for these three games because that's really what's happened. They've just been bad and that's okay. But like, I don't know, you know, like Luis Severino out there talking about how like oh, asked about God. Bregman's home run and he's like, oh, it only went 91 miles per hour and judge hit his like 102 or whatever. And it's like, what, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> like Bregman turned on a ball and planted in the seats and yeah, the Crawford boxes are an easy target don't throw a pitch out over the plate to a guy who can turn on it and hit it 91 miles per hour for a home run like avoid that so anyways that's that's it's not really relevant to what we're talking about today but i just like that kind of like whining and complaining it's like oh it's just go out anymore. there and play better man play better
1: yeah i mean cuz honestly you know you you hit it with like this is actually this was like a kind of likeable Yankees team. I mean even for me as a Red Sox fan, we were well out of it. I was, you know, we we're in dead last place since I don't know what early August. And like just on the route for <laughs> and you know, like you said Nestor Cortez, kind of interesting. I actually kind of think that Garrett Cole has gotten such a bum rap in New York that I kind of wanted to see him succeed just to overcome that. But you're right. It's it's this whining and complaining, and it's from the top down. Let's not forget. Oh yeah. That Brian Cashman was asked about you know why they haven't won a World Series in however long, and he said something along the lines of, and I don't want to misquote him, so I'm, this is not a quote, but something along the lines of basically like, well, the Astros cheated in 2017, and we could have won that year. Like, dude, enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, give me a break. Anyway, we don't need Ooh, to turn. Right. This what about all the Astros? other
2: years? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. When you have this massive payroll and. It's pathetic. It's just so yeah. many excuses. I, and I think if you, you add to that, like Yankees fans have now on multiple occasions been booing Aaron Judge in the postseason. And it's like <laughs> that's just a lot. <laughs> but it's just it's just so ridiculous. It's like this guy just put up like the best season any offensive player has put up for that that franchise in like a hundred years. Right? It's like it's like there was Babe Ruth and then there was Judge, and like everything in between wasn't quite as good. And they're like, oh, I don't know. Struck out twice in a playoff game. All the rest that goes out the window, and I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I've been sort of impartial to his free agency because, like, as a Cleveland fan, you know, I can tell you one team that's not going to sign him, <laughs> and that's my team. <laughs> but now I just, I want him to leave. I just want him to go somewhere oh, else. Man. I don't even care where. Just go sign with someone else. And you know, they're literally they're booing you after that season. They don't deserve you. Move on, Aaron. You're better than that. <laughs> They absolutely do not. And not to lay it on too thick, but because I saw this
1: on Twitter in a lot of spots, a lot of the the big follower Yankee fan accounts have all of a sudden started kind of on the low pushing this. Gee, I really wish DJ LeMayhew and Andrew Benintendi were healthy. This would have been a totally different series. Look, I think it, our, our dedicated listeners know there's not a bigger fan of DJ LeMayhew than myself. And yeah. I respect what Benintendi brings to the table. But those two players are not changing anything in this series. The Astros have been far and away the better team. And let's not act like the Astros are not also missing Michael Brantley, who's arguably just as good of a bat as those two guys. Oh, yeah, for sure. So anyway, we don't <laughs> that was fun. I'm glad we were able to do that. Anytime we wanna we wanna bash the Yankees for 10 minutes, yeah. it's fine with me. But let's jump into arbitration chat. And for our newcomers to OtNew, I know there are a few of them in our least listener league. Break it down for them. What's arbitration? Why do they have to sign into their accounts here in late October, early November, and and do something?
2: <laughs> yeah, there's actually so arbitration. We'll get into, like, there's there's two versions of arbitration. We'll get into that in a minute. But, like, at the at the basic level, the idea of arbitration in Auto New is that it is a system and a method for creating more balance and parity in the league, right? And so, you know, I, I don't know how many of our, our listeners, like, have played traditional dynasty leagues where there are no prices and you keep everyone and blah lot blah, blah. like one of the challenges with leagues like that. And I play in leagues like that. I like leagues like that. They're I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about them. One of the challenges with leagues like that is you get these teams that become, well, they become dynasties. It's it's a dynasty format teams become dynasties and it makes it really hard for people to stick around because sometimes it's just, you know, teams become overwhelmingly good. What What the arbitration process does in, auto new is it's one of the ways that balance is created in the leagues and salaries do that in some way too but arbitration is basically a way for some of the best value players on a team to get knocked down a bit and if you think about arbitration in major league baseball right like players come up they make the league minimum for a little while and then all of a sudden team still controls them right like yeah, this guy stays with the organization he's with. He's he's not a free agent. He can't go somewhere else. But you can't just pay him the league minimum. You have to come to some sort of middle ground agreement on what that player is worth, and the players get paid a little bit more, and the team, you know, team gets a benefit of keeping him, but still has to pay. So replicating that in new, there are two forms of arbitration. Well, uh, and I think we'll start quickly with the one that I, that is less common, which is vote offs, and, and the way vote offs work is. Every team in the league has the ability to put a vote, one vote on one player per every other team in the league. So, you know, you as a manager, you have eleven votes, one per team for each of your other managers. Each of the other managers in your league gets one vote on your team. The player on each team that gets the most votes becomes effectively a restricted free agent. So they they are booted off your roster, but if you buy them back. At auction in the spring, you get a $5 discount. Right. So if you think about again, comparing that to like typical arbitration in MLB, you know, that player getting voted off your team, just like a player entering arbitration for Major League Baseball, does not suddenly get their full market value. Right. You can keep them for less than their full market value in Auto New. It's $5 in $5 $5 less than whatever their market value would be and Major League Baseball, it's whatever the teams agree to, right? So that's that's one system. Um, that's actually the original system. So the original Auto New League, we, we use that. And I've talked in the past about my my CBS League that's not Auto New. That league, we actually use something like this. It's a, it's a $4 discount instead of five and two players get voted off instead of one. And in that league, you also can protect two players. you can like franchise two guys before the voting happens. It's a it's a whole thing. But there is a, a similar process and I, I really like it. I think it's a, a great way to boost up the pool at the auction. It makes sure that there's more players available. like but it also gives teams a little bit of a discount. So that's one form. The other form of arbitration, which is is more popular is the allocation process. This is the one we're using in our keeper cut listener league. And in that one, every team gets a $25 budget to distribute on the rest of the league. And the way that $25 budget works is you have to put it, you take at least $1 per team and up to $3 per team, and you basically increase the salary of players on other teams in the league. So just as an example, I can go look at at Pete's team right now in League 1372, our, our, our Keeper Cut Listener League. And if I wanted to, I could be like, huh, he's got a $13 Tanner Hauk. I know how Pete feels about Tanner Hauk. And I think that Tanner Hauk should be more expensive than that. And I could put up to $3 on him and increase his salary. And instead of $13, if I put $1 on him, he becomes $14. Please put all of your arbitration dollars (laughs) on Tanner Hauk. Please, everyone. Yeah, maybe not a great example, but... Because that, that is that is definitely not who I'll be assigning that to. But the idea is you can go through and increase salary on guys, and, and how you do that, and who you put it on, stuff like. There's all sorts of fun strategic questions about that. We'll get more into that, but that's that's the basics of it. Is basically from October 15th through November 15th, you got 30 days to go in and assign those dollars. I think the the one sort of additional note I'll make on those allocations is you have to allocate, you, again, it's at least $1 per team. You have to put $1 on every other team. You can put up to $3. You can spread that out among multiple players. So if a team has three players, you want to put $1 each on, you can do that. But you have to do all $25 because if you don't, then it doesn't stick. So if you if you assign $20, and you're like, yeah, I'll come back later and do the other five. Or if you do 10 teams, and you're like, yeah, I'll come back later and do the 11th and you'd never get back to it then none of your allocations are official. They all go away. And the reason for that is basically that like, the idea here is to keep things balanced, right? You don't want a situation where everyone's like, okay, guys, if we all put our $3 on Pete's team and nobody puts it on anyone else, then Pete will be screwed and we'll all be in great shape. So in order to balance that, it's you have to do the full process or else it doesn't count. So don't forget to put all $25 out there.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I I love that rundown and something you brought up at the beginning of that, Chad. And and I'm bringing this up because I'm thinking of my friends in particular and my brother who just started playing Ot new and and people who might hear like, all right, well, you know, I I came out ahead. I got the super cheap Julio Rodriguez. I got the super cheap Corbin Carroll. And now you're telling me I'm not even going to reap the benefits because they're going to get slammed in arbitration. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying at all, because I don't think that your Julio Rodriguez after arbitration is is going to still be market value for like what he actually should be. Right. Like like you might have, a, let's say, a six dollar Julio Rodriguez. And by the end of arbitration, he's now an eighteen dollar Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, it's a bummer. But wouldn't you still happily pay eighteen dollars for that player? And so this isn't like, you know, not rewarding you for drafting well or, or, or i should say having a having a solid auction but rather it's trying to keep things balanced and we've all been in those dynasty leagues before i'm I'm in two of them that i can think of that are just like there are those two rosters one or two rosters that are so far and away the heavy favorite and it's nothing you know against those managers nice job you did great but like what do we what do we do from here <laughs> like this is just going to be your team forever there's not a lot of balance and and i like how arbitration kind of keeps that in check
2: And I think it's similar to how it works in major leagues, right? Like it's, it's a longer time horizon in the majors than it is in Ottawa. but I think that's to be expected, but like the Mariners, they got a choice to make sometime soon, right? They've got to either extend Julio or he's going to hit arbitration in a couple of years. And if he does what he's been doing and hits arbitration after Boy, it'll probably be not after... It won't be after next season. It'll be after the 2024 season, right? He actually did sign a monster contract. Oh, that's right. Jared. That's right. He signed yeah. the extension. Yeah. Okay. So a, a decision, right? a they had to make a decision. Use any place. They had to make that choice. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. They they had to make a decision. Do we do we find a way to extend him and get some certainty here? Or do we run the risk that like he gets a $17 million award in his first year of arbitration and all of a sudden is making a ton more than what he you know, I, I can't remember what the details are in his contract, but like they the reason they signed those deals is because arbitration is coming and will drive up prices quickly. And that doesn't mean the fact that they were sort of not forced into but incented to to sign him to a deal like that. That doesn't mean they don't like reap the benefits of having signed him and developed him and all of that. They do. They they have him and he's still going to be below market value for at least the next few years before the the big years in that contract kick in but they just you know he gets some of that money too right they don't get to just sit on him forever without him seeing any of it and that's that's effectively it's effectively the balance that's getting in here too sure Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And,
1: you know, just to compare it one more time to major league teams, I think this is something we see the Braves do not to go too far down the road with this, you know, like the Braves, Spencer Strider contract, you look at it at first and it's like, Oh man, the Braves have done it again, but really all they're doing is buying out his arbitration years. They've made a decision, which is ultimately what, what Otnu is trying to force us to do here. So let's start breaking down some specific situations, Chad, particularly questions from listeners and, and providing some advice in general. I'm going to start with myself because this is this is now like really my my second time going through the arbitration process. I did it last year. And, and going into this arbitration fo- process, I feel a lot more equipped. I know I had a lot of questions for you last time. I'm sure folks could dig up that episode. And they're going to hear a lot of the same stuff that we're going to talk about today, different names, but sort of the same gist of advice. And my friend Chris, who I manage a uh, roster with in the pitcherlist list, new league, I've kind of given him the reins of that team and and just said, you know, have at it. And I, I let him know that arbitration was picking up. And he said, do you have any advice? And I guess the one thing that stood out for me from last year, Chad, was not targeting players to like get a manager to drop them, not targeting players who might be a drop. Like guys who are like, well, I really like this player. I think he's going to outperform this contract. Maybe I can make it uncomfortable for this manager to, to, to roster them. And instead targeting those guys who you know that manager is going to keep no matter what because the contract is so low in making them pay because you know we had Mark McElroy on last year and something he said was making sure those dollars stick you don't want your dollars Mm -hmm. to not stick has anything in the last year Chad kind of changed your mind with that any of the stuff that you saw last year is this still kind of the prevailing thought Uh, that that
2: is still definitely my my philosophy and I I absolutely believe that like you know if, if I put Again, using using J Rod as an example, right? If someone in one of my leagues has a ten dollar J Rod, and I put money on J Rod, there's a good chance that, in like twenty twenty six, those dollars are still hitting their roster. And then the guys I hit in twenty, you know, the guys I hit next year get more money on them, and then next year more money. Like that, that money starts to multiply, and it makes it more challenging for that manager to build a roster because I'm I'm. You know they're not only getting their roster, their budget is now not only absorbing all the dollars they spent, but all the dollars that I and everyone else have assigned to them, and it so it, it it makes things harder for them. And at the end of the day, like you know, it's a competition, right? Like that's how you compete with people is you make things harder for them and easier for yourself. So that said, I, I do know there are there are managers out there who think that it makes sense in some cases to push a guy into cut territory. And the issue I have with that is, well, one is like you pushing them into the, into cuts that somebody else might be able to roster them or like, it just doesn't necessarily, it doesn't do you any good. Right. Unless, unless you're the one who happens to buy them, but even if you're the one who happens to buy them, there's a good chance you're overpaying for them. Like it just, you could have bought somebody else. Like, I I don't know. I, I, it, that, that's sort of the, the smaller thing. The, the bigger issue to me, the, the thing that really stands out and concerns me is you have no way of knowing if you did anything, right? So I'll give you an example. And, and you mentioned that I've got this article coming out. I'm working on an article. Um, it's actually probably going to be two articles because it's getting giant, where I'm using the arbitration data from League One, the original auto New League from last year and looking at, okay, how did this play out moving forward? And there were four players who received arbitration who were cut before the deadline. Now, one of those was $1 was put on Buster Posey. And that was just a manager who, like in the first half of arbitration last year, Posey looked like a great arbitration target, right? He had been, he had that huge bounce back. He was relatively inexpensive because he had been down before that. And then in the middle of the arbitration process, he retired. And I think this manager just put a dollar on him and never went back and fixed it. Like, fine, that happens. Four of those dollars, there was $4 put on Kavan Biggio in that league that pushed him up to $14. And that's a four by four. So, you know, OBP, it makes sense. Like he got cut and then got bought back at auction for a dollar. Right. And so, like, the biggest thing that tells me is that means the person who had him at $10 originally was not going to bid. Like, they weren't even willing to bid $2, let alone $10. Like. Biggio was getting cut, which means that those those people who put those four dollars on Biggio, they could have put them on anybody else, and they it would have like things would have played out the same, basically. Four different op- four different managers did it. Four dollars on Calvin so
1: Biggio last year.
2: The the other two guys who got hit. That's so. Uh, there were two dollars put on Randy Rosarena. He was at sixteen, got pushed to eighteen. He was then cut, and then the manager cut him at eighteen. Bought him back for nineteen at the auction, and this is a case where I think you could uh, somewhat unequivocally say that that those allocations worked. Right, they pushed him to eighteen dollars. The manager was obviously willing to have kept like the fact that the manager cut at eighteen and then bought back at nineteen tells me that had he been sixteen, he would have kept him at sixteen, and then instead he ended up spending nineteen. But at the end of the day. That what really happened there was not okay. We we pushed him and made it uncomfortable, and so we cut him. Like the manager just made a mistake. They cut a guy at eighteen that he should have kept, and the same thing happened with the fourth guy. The fourth guy was Mookie Betts. There was a forty-seven dollar Mookie Betts. Two dollars got put on him, pushed him to forty-nine. He got cut, and then he got one at auction for fifty-four. Now in this case, he got one at auction for fifty-four by one of the teams that allocated to him, and so I think you can make a case that that manager, like they put a dollar on him. It pushed his price up, he got cut, and then that manager got to roster him without having to make a trade. I, I can see the argument there. But again, the, there's a couple of challenges here. One is the manager cut them at 49. He might've cut him at 47. I have no idea. I have no way of knowing that. The other is the real issue here isn't that they pushed him and made him too expensive to keep. It's that the manager who cut him made a mistake. Right? He was a 50 plus dollar player that he cut at 49. There would have been a trade market for him at forty nine. were like, that that manager just didn't, I don't know, didn't either. Didn't think through it or didn't have the right situation or it was any you know. And if they were if they were in a situation where they were like, oh, I wish I could keep him, but he's just too expensive. I needed to clear fifty dollars of cap somehow. He would have been a cut at forty seven also. And so that's my biggest issue is like I look at those and there are you know five, seven, nine total dollars assigned to four different players that got cut. And at most, one of those dollars was effective. Everything else was just people making mistakes. And, and it, so it's like, nah, I don't know. I, I, I don't love the idea of allocating in a way that it's like, I'll be really happy with this allocation if the other manager screws up and does something wrong. So, and, and I don't like the inability to know, like anytime I do anything, I want to be able to go back and determine later, was it effective or not, right? I make a trade and I know why I made the trade and I can go back later and be like, oh, this trade worked out because I I traded for stolen bases and my stolen bases improved and I got what I needed out of that. Or like this trade didn't work out because this guy got hurt, but like my process was still good. I still feel good about it. Like guys get hurt. There's nothing I can do about it. If I'm cutting, if I'm allocating to get someone cut, I will never know if I did anything effective. Because when I go back and look, I'll be like, okay, either the guy either the guy didn't get cut, in which case, fine, I that's just like any other allocation I would do. Or the guy did get cut, and I'm like, well, maybe I did something effective, or maybe I just wasted my money, and I don't know. And it makes it impossible to therefore like learn from what you're doing, improve on what you're doing, and get better at it. And so I just avoid it. No, that makes total sense. And, and I mean, you still
1: can't evaluate it, but I guess the only way you feel okay in that situation is if you put dollars on a player they got cut. And you got them at auction. And no matter what, you're like, I feel good about it. Whether I was the reason they dropped them or not, I did something, that player got caught. Like I I could maybe understand stretching it that way. Something I, I would suggest is is just to hesitate doing that anyway, because if it's a player that you're targeting, I still think they might go for more expensive than what you're comfortable with. And this is an issue I'm having, and and I think it's good potentially something to think about for managers out there who are new to OtNew, is that. After your initial auction, players are way more expensive at auction. And so I'm sitting here with a $60 Vlad Guerrero that I don't anticipate anybody putting arbitration dollars on. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. They could make my decision a lot easier if they put a lot of dollars on him. Either way, I spent 58 on him. That was clearly too much. He was not the number one first baseman. He wasn't even the number two first baseman. He had a fine season. But now I'm sitting here with a player who's $60. Now. My concern is that there might be some team out there that did extremely well and is going to have about 70 bucks free at auction. And they're going to go into auction saying, I don't care what I come out with as long as I come out with Vlad Guerrero Jr. And now I've got the situation where, you know, and I guess I'm getting kind of away from arbitration here, but we can definitely tie it back. We're like it's still a hard decision for me to cut. He may look like a cut. You may look at a player and think, like, man, if I just add a couple dollars here, this is definitely a player that's a cut because he's he's estimated to be, you know, a $47 player and, and he's got him for 60. I'm gonna make him 63 and he's definitely gonna cut him. I still might not, because <laughs> I still might be concerned that at auction he's gonna end up going for 65, 70, because that's the one piece a team out there needs to really strengthen their roster going into the season. So I would be hesitant for that approach as well. I, I think it's it's easy to find at least one player on a team to add just one dollar to who's who's at under market value and definitely going to be kept to get those dollars to
2: stick. Yeah. And I again for me at the end of the day, it really does come back to this idea that like, even if I win that player at auction, even if I get them back, like even if I cut if even if I force a cut or think I forced a cut, I still like I still could have put that those dollars on another player where that player wouldn't have been cut, and then that other team would have less money to spend at auction. Like you're driving up auction prices when you when you do that, right? Because like across the league, I mean, That's a good point. Think about it this way: across the entire league, there is uh, four thousand eight hundred dollars to be spent at auction. Right, four hundred dollars per team. A lot of that money is eaten up by keepers. There are three hundred dollars in arbitration dollars. Three hundred dollars in allocations that can be put out there. If everybody uses their allocations to force cuts, that is three hundred additional dollars that are going to be spent at auction, and it's going to drive up inflation. It's going to make players more expensive. It's going to make it harder to get the guys you want to get. That's the extreme example, right? But that, but that is true of every dollar, right? If if you only if you use ten of your twenty five dollars to force cuts. That's 10 more dollars that other managers have to bid up the guys you want. And I'm just, yeah. A- and again, maybe then you're like, well, yeah, but I forced bets back into the auction. But like, he might have been there anyways. You have, And, and you don't know right. that. And you're, I, I don't know. I, and I've even had, like, I've had managers say, look, well, yeah, well, somebody told me that, like, oh, you really pushed him too far. So, like even then, it's like, eh. Do I really believe them? Do I really think that they're telling you they pushed them too far? Did they do I do they even know, right? Like, cause I don't know that most people, when they make a cut, a decision to cut a $49 Mookie bets in January, can be like, oh, if you were 47, I would have kept him and actually know for sure that had he been 47, that's what they would have done. Because it's just, it's hard to evaluate. And like we we're human beings are terrible at thinking that way like we do a really bad job of knowing what we would have done in situations that didn't play out and so i just think you you never you you can never tell if your dollar was completely wasted or if it pushed the guy back into auction and if it pushed the guy back into auction that still might not work out for you so it's just right. uh not not my it's not the approach but i before
1: choose. we go to before we go to break, I wanna reiterate another point that Chad made is that like let's say it works. It works out and you don't even know it, but you added three dollars to a player and that caused the the manager to drop them. That yeah, you know, it was the line in the sand they drew and they said, All right, I'm gonna cut them. Well, then those three dollars only mattered for this one season. Whereas you could have put them on a player that would make a carryover from season to season. I thought that was an apt point. That was another thing that was discussed in last year's episode with Mark McElroy. But before we continue with episode 79, not 80 of Keeper Cut, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back.
0: Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: Welcome back, folks. Pete Ball, Chad Young, Keeper Cut Podcast, Breaking Down Arbitration in Ot uh, new and Chad, we had a few questions from listeners here, and and looking at the first one, we basically just answered it, and that was from at VikaBot One. Should I just target people I want to target in the draft, or should I try to maximize cost of valuable players on other rosters? And I think it was a two-zero vote there that we are maximizing the cost on the players that are going to be kept on sure. other rosters. We had two other interesting questions here. I think we could spend some time on. One is from at Hamilton Porter, and again, thanks everybody for the questions. If you have other odd new que- related questions, arbitration questions, fire them our way towards the account and we will get to them. These are just the ones we're going to cover on the show. But at Hamilton Porter says, general strategy, do you wait until the last day? Do you give money to the highest priced players that they have to cut them and they are available at draft? I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> well, the second question is, is the ultimate question, right? That we've been breaking down. But
2: Chad, give us your thoughts on waiting until the last day. Is that the right move? I don't think it is. I don't think this is a... I don't think it's super important when you do it. I used to think it was like, I used to think it really mattered that you go in and do it early. Cause I thought the, like there's value, there is value in signaling to other people what your intentions are and where you're going to like, not signaling to the team you're allocating to, but to everyone else. Right. It's like when I go in and I, you know, I mentioned before I'm looking at Pete's team in the listener league and there have been, $5 placed on Christian Javier so far. That pushes his salary up to 12 Knowing that other managers are going to do that gives me some information about like, okay, well, Javier is going to get pushed up to like 12 maybe $13, 14 before all is said and done. And so like, even if I think a $7 Christian Javier is the best value on Pete's team, I may not want to put arbitration on him because I have good reason to believe he'll get up to $14, $15. Bucks. And so like... Maybe I'd rather target his Tristan McKenzie, who's gotten a couple dollars, but not as much. Or maybe I want to go look at some of the less expensive players on his team. Someone like, sort of scrolling through, I don't know, someone like a a Bryson Stott or a Juan Pez. And we can talk a little bit more about some of these pre-breakout guys. But like, those are cheap players who are interesting, and I think you're probably going to keep. And if you're probably going to keep them and they're interesting and cheap, they could be targets. And so there is value in doing it early on in order to just signal to your league mates what you're going to do. I also think the other thing to keep in mind is you can edit your arbitration at any time during the process. And so while I don't wait till the last day to do it, I always, always go look at my teams on the last day. And the reason I do that is twofold. One is what I was just saying about Christian Javier, right? So let's say I go in here and I'm like, oh. People already put five bucks on Christian Javier. So I'm going to target some other players in Pete's team. And then over the next two weeks, people come in and they take dollars off of Christian Javier. I want to make sure I check back at the end. I'm like, oh, I thought Javier was going to get to 15 bucks. He's only at nine. I'm going to move some of my dollars around and hit him harder. Or maybe I put my dollars on, you know, Jazz Chisel, you have a $10. He's up 12 now. Maybe I'm like, wow, I can't believe he's only even pushed to 12. He should be more like 18. I put three bucks on him and I come back later and everybody else has put three bucks on him and all of a sudden he's you know pushing 30 instead of pushing 20. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. no. I don't think he needs to be $30. You, like. So I go back at the end just to take another look for that. The other is news breaks, right? Guys sign extensions or get traded or retire, right? And like this is the Buster Posey example I mentioned earlier from League One, where somebody put a dollar on Buster Posey early on, which was a totally reasonable thing to do at that point, and then he retired. Like, just go back and check because, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at your team, and there's probably not a great example for this. Maybe the best example is I go in, I put three dollars on Christian Javier now, and you know, knock on wood, I'm not wishing anything bad on Christian Javier, but like. He's still playing, and so I put three dollars on him now. And then, you know, game three of the World Series, he comes out and his velocity is down a couple ticks, and he gets pulled after an inning, and he gets removed for the roster due to injury. And we're waiting to hear if there's like Tommy John coming. I, I may not want to leave those three dollars on Christian Javier in that case, and so yeah, you know, hopefully that isn't playing out. I'm not trying to put anything any bad juju out into the universe or anything like that. But like those things do happen and you do want to be aware of those things. And so like going back at the end, like one of the reasons arbitration goes until mid November is because it gets us past the world series. And by the time you get to mid November, like, yes, news will still come up throughout the off season, but you get all of those, like, you know, Jose Ramirez has already been announced. He's having surgery on his thumb and we'll be ready for spring, right? Like you're going to get news like that coming in the next couple of weeks. By the time you get to mid-November, the World Series is over. Those teams have started to release, like you'll know everything you're going to know other than some trades and signings or any new injuries that happen. And so that's sort of like just, Go back in mid-November at the end and, and double check.
1: Yeah, so that that doesn't sound like anything too specific to arbitration. I mean, obviously, if player if people took dollars off of players and decided they wanted to put them elsewhere, that could impact your decisions, like you said. But otherwise, folks, it's just playing the news game, right, and, and, and taking advantage of the amount of time that you have before you have to make these decisions. And I can say for sure, you know, I'm going to. I'm gonna I think you and I will probably do a little bit of arbitration during this episode and then uh, certainly be checking back come November 13th and, and and certainly up until that deadline of November 14th so thanks for the question Hamilton Porter and last we got Leif Nelson who's at Nordic Turtle would you Arb a two dollar Ellie de la Cruz or a two dollar Jackson Chirio if there were no obvious targets and I'm going to start with this one Chad because when I started new I had a hard time with prospects because I couldn't get past this idea that like prospects must have so much value in new because there's so many roster spots and they're so cheap and it's such a you know it's it's like dynasty it just goes on forever I I don't know about you Chad I th- I feel like I know you well enough that I, I think this would be your response there has to be someone else on the roster to put arbitration dollars on than those two there has to be even you could tell me they're both going to be up next season I still think I'd be looking elsewhere to put my dollars there first of all they're not even one dollar players they're already paying two dollars for them not that that makes that much of a difference but it does And there has to be between the 38 other potential roster spots on this team. There has to be other players that it would hurt more. Granted, you know what? If Chirio goes out and lights the world on fire, gets called up in August and just tears it up, carries Milwaukee to the playoffs, whatever it might be. Well, you know what? I'll put $3 of arbitration on him next year. (laughs) But I'm not doing it now when he's this far from the major leagues.
2: Yeah, I and I actually think like I'm gonna go a step further on that. It's like it has no, it actually isn't just that far from the major leagues, in general. I don't want to put dollars on players who have to reach a new level of performance to justify those dollars, right? If it's if it's a projection thing, and so you know, I, I mentioned this article I'm working on, looking at League One data from last year. There were there were six players who I considered. You know, not necessarily prospects, but required a breakout to justify arbitration. So these are all guys who, in my mind, when arbitration was assigned to them at this time last year, if someone had said over the next 12 months, they are going to repeat exactly what they've just done. They're going to be at the same level with the same numbers. Will you feel good about this arbitration? The answer would have been an obvious no. Right? Everyone would be like, no, of course not. That's like, I'm, I'm putting this money on them because I think they're going to do more next year. Those six players were, to so start with the two who I think this worked out okay. People put $4 on Bobby Witt Jr. and one person put a dollar on Julio Rodriguez. Okay, those guys played well. Makes sense. Great. Other dollars went on Alex Karoloff, Zach Veen, Tarek Scooball and Josiah Gray. Now, Skubal is an interesting one because he did, he did break out. He did pitch much better, but then he got hurt, and now like we don't really know what his timeline is. We don't know what's going on. He got pushed from eight dollars to nine dollars. He's now eleven dollars. Like, is he going to be kept this year at eleven dollars? I don't know. I would think so, but let's see what the news is about him by January. Like, we're we're, we're a ways off from that decision. The other guys here, like Carloff, did you know had a bad year and got hurt. Josiah Gray was not good. Veen had. You know, Veen. I think if you're putting a dollar on Zach Veen last year, it's because you thought he might reach Triple A or even the majors this year. Instead, he barely got to Double A, and then he sucked in Double A. Like he was awful. And so, you know, his his stock is down, if any, right? And so, like, and those are all. That's it. Those are all the guys who you were like, yeah. I mean, I think they could be great, but they need to prove something. And on top of that, like. One of the guys I said sort of, hey, this made sense was Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt Jr. got pushed from $8 to $12 in arbitration last year. He is at $14 now. Bobby Witt Jr. in a 4x4 league, I'm not sure how much more than $14 he's even worth. His on-base percentage was abysmal. He actually didn't have a very good slugging percentage in part because his on-base percentage is abysmal. And like, yeah, he hit, you know, he had 20 home runs. He had 82 runs. Those are good numbers in 4x4, but like, they're not great, right? If he had gone 30 home runs and 100 runs with a low on base and a mediocre slugging, fine. But like, he's hurting you. He's actively hurting you in two categories. And I'm not sure much he's helping you in the other two. It's like, is he really worth a lot more than $14? I don't know. But that's sort of besides the point. Because even if I think he's worth $20, you could have armed him up from $10 this year to 20 bucks without a problem. You didn't need to push him $4 last year. And same thing with J-Rod, right? The $1 on J-Rod last year, like you could have just given that to him this year. He's still going to need to be pushed this year. And had he flopped, right? Had he been Jared Kelnick instead of Julio Rodriguez, then that dollar was wasted. And that's sort of what happened with Gray. And it's probably what happened with Karoloff. And it's probably what happened with Veen. And on Scooball, like, I don't know, like, Again, I think he'll probably be kept. I don't think that $1 really hurts necessarily. But like, I don't know. I think if you could have gone back and looked at that team, there's probably somebody else that would have been more useful. So yeah, not only would I not put it, like, not only would I never consider Churio or Ellie Dela Cruz for arbitration this year, I don't want to put arbitration on any player who hasn't already performed at a level to justify the arbitration. I'm not paying for projection. I'm paying for what... what, I guess you should be careful with that. Like, You always want to pay for what you expect a player to do. But in this case, with such limited resources, and it's so important in my mind to get it right and have it stick long-term, I have no desire to put dollars on projection that isn't based on actual performance. So find me the guy who... You know, yes, you could make a case that last year J-Rod at $7 had $40 upside and some other guy who was $3 had $8 upside. Isn't it exciting? Don't care. Find the guy who's $3 with $8 upside who performed like an $8 player already and make him $4, make him $5, make him $6 and eat up the surplus value on that guy. And if J-Rod breaks out, fine, hit him this year. But there yeah, I I don't I do not you know, I'm trying to think of who the guys are this year, but it's like maybe, maybe the best example is a guy we talked about recently, Francisco Alvarez. I will not put arbitration on Francisco Alvarez. What do I expect from Alvarez? I think he's going to be the starting catcher for the Mets for most of the year next year, if not the whole year. And I think he's going to be really good. But he could be the NL Rookie of the Year and he could be Jared Kelnick. <laughs> and I don't know which one it's going to be. And I don't want to put arbitration dollars on him now. I'll do it next year or I won't because he's terrible. Like we'll, we'll have to see, but that to me is just stay away from those guys until you're confident they're going to be worth it.
1: No, that makes total sense to me. I, you know, I was trying to think like, what situation would I do this on? And I don't think there is, I think, I think that's the, the short of it for me as well. I guess if there was a prospect who was rostered for some reason, and I'm looking at a team and I'm thinking, I got to put a dollar on this team. And I think if I put if I double this player's salary, well, that wouldn't be the case. If I make this player's salary go from $2 to $3, I think for sure this guy's going to be cut, which is, as we know, a tricky game to play. You'd never know if you'd be correct. And I think I'm going to be able to get him back in dollar days. And I think of a player like Nick York, who I was high on because I'm a super biased Red Sox fan, but also he was the youngest player. Like every game, I don't think he played. He, I don't think he played against a single pitcher that was younger than him. And if I see someone else has him for two dollars, and I say, you know what, I don't know who to put on this team, but if I know for a fact there's no way this manager would keep a three dollar Nick York, make him three bucks, get him back for a dollar. Now I have this player that I really like, but there's no guarantee that works, right? And he's still a prospect who hasn't proven anything. Um, and in that case, he probably, he might not even reach the major leagues next year. So, you know, now you're keeping him for $2 next year. It just, now I'm talking myself out of this and it was like the one <laughs> extreme situation where I think it could work. So in short ended long at Nordic turtle, neither Chad or I would put dollars on those guys. There's gotta be someone else on there. Even if it's making, you know, some middle of the road pitcher go from $14 to $15, I think that's going to hit harder than, than. Hyping up the prices of these prospects. I I agree. So, Chad, I thought it would be fun. And and if you don't want to do this, you know, the baby we don't need to. But if you and I did each other's arbitration right now, you up for that challenge?
2: Yeah, sure. Why not? In uh so, in you you want to do this in the in the listener league, not in the yeah. not in league thirteen. Okay.
1: Yeah, in the listener league. Because we're in a couple leagues tonight. So. That's true. That's true. So the listener league, I figured, you know, most of these people will be listening. Chad is St. Ann Steamers. My team is the originally named Pete's team. And I'll start us off, Chad, because I've already got it up and I was looking at your roster and I feel like I know the guys that you like well and and don't like (laughs) and so on and so forth. And one name that I'm looking at that I'm going to put some dollars on multiple is Nestor Cortez you've got here for six bucks. Now he's already had yeah. money added on to him. <laughs> he's already been hit. And maybe I'd back off in that case, right? Because Nesta Cortez kind of a late random breakout. And, you know, he's he's a little gimmicky for me. And and people take that term negatively. I don't think there's anything wrong with being gimmicky as long as it works. And for Esther, it's worked all the way through the playoffs. But his home runs per nine, which which for me is like this forgotten about category, is under one. Under one. So Nestor is a guy I'm going to throw $2 on. And that last dollar is going to hurt because it's going to go to a Chad Young favorite in Willie Adamas, who maybe to some looked like he disappointed, but he really came on strong down the stretch. And I think he is easily worth even the. $19 that he's going to be at after I add this dollar on. So those are my $3 for Chad for St. Ann's steamers $1 on Willie Adamas and $2 on Nestor Cortez. Chad, any reaction to the arbitration that I just locked in for
2: you? Yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I, I'm I I have like mixed feelings on Cortez's year, but I don't know why. Like there's something about <laughs> it that like feels, I don't know if it's because he's gimmicky I don't know if it's something else that I feel like, uh eh is he really going to repeat that? But like, no, no. he's good. I mean, (laughs) but, but but things, he doesn't have to repeat it. And that's, that's the big thing. What what do you say? Six dollars. Like he could be significantly worse than he was this year and still be worth 15 to 20 bucks. And so from that perspective, it makes sense to put, put money on him. Adamus. I mean, Adamus is an interesting one in four by four because he doesn't necessarily help in on base, but I'm sort of with you. I think he I think his year this year in some ways got I don't know, lost. I don't know if lost is the right word, but like he, you know, he only had a 298 on base. He had a but he had a four fifty-eight slugging. So he's helping in slugging. He hit 31 home runs. So he's helping a lot in home runs. And I, I think that his on base percentage comes back up next year, right? Like he he had a 278 BAPIP, which is 30 points below his career total. Sorry, it's more than 30 points. It's almost 50 points below his career total. It is 30 points below his postseason total, which is a, that's what's showing up on FanGraphs right now. But his career BAPIP is 325. It was 278 this year. Coming into this season, his BAPIP for his career was 342. So if you wanted to tell me that next year his BAPIP is going to be like Three fifteen to three twenty, maybe even as high as three thirty, instead of the two seventy eight. Like, yeah, it sounds about right. And other than that, like everything else looks sort of like what he does. And so, you know, three thirty, a, a three thirty on base with a four eighty slugging and thirty plus home runs again. Like, yeah, and with that higher on base, he'll score more runs as well. So. I, I think people I think he's being slept on a little bit, and he's quite good. So I have I, a
1: theory I, I have a theory as to why he's being slept on because I think you're right. I think a lot of guys that that get hyped up a little bit much because they have so much extreme success in a short period of time and people in their heads just extrapolate that and and assume that that's what it's going to be going forward. But Willie Adams actually didn't have some crazy end to the season. Here are his home runs by month: five in April, four in May, six in June, five in July, six in August, five in September, and then none in October. But that was just in twenty plate appearances. I think he was just like the average, you know, from month to month jumped up and down, but he was just pretty much consistently essentially exactly what we expected and hoped throughout the season with maybe a little bit too low of an average that like you said you can kind of chalk up to some bad babbit luck so i think he's kind of a sneaky target in arbitration where it's like there's not a lot of hype going into the player but he's still easily keepable at that price
2: yeah for sure i, I totally agree i'm a little annoyed you're putting money there but just go <laughs> be it So let me take a look at your roster. And I already mentioned like people have put some money on Christian Javier, looking at some of the guys on your team who who stand out as good values. And so sort of my process here, for those who haven't done this before, there's a few things I do. The the first thing I'm basically doing is I'm I'm looking at players who I think have surplus, right? Or are underpriced, that their value is above their salary. And so I actually like one of the first things I'll do when I look at a team is I will click on the original salary column or the new salary. I think the new salary, yeah, or or the new salary column, either one there's columns for both their salary before arbitration and including arbitration, but I sort from smallest to largest and I scroll through and look from the cheapest players to see where there might be like good, interesting values. And Doing that with your team, actually, like the bottom of your team, there's some interesting stuff there, but like, you know, we talked about prospects. I'm not hitting your, you know, Emerson Hancock, Jonathan Hernandez, Lou Trevino, Bruce Dark Gratterall. Like, I'm not going to hit relievers in no matter how cheap they are in four by four. They're just not, they're not difference makers in my mind. Oswald Peraza is interesting. Cutter Crawford, no. Luis Renjifo, actually, like he had a really strong end of the year and maybe I should Maybe I should think about him. Maybe he's I mean, you have him for $3 and that's probably that's probably about right. Although there's some upside in that, perhaps. Ahmed Rosario, not great in OBP leagues. Like he's more of a, you know, average and five by five. I'd feel differently about Rosario, but not this format. Jorge Lopez, we're back into relievers. DL Hall, we're back into prospects and so on. Like I mentioned couple names i mentioned before, Juan Yepes and Bryson Stott. To me, those guys like they're super interesting. They both fall into that like Kirilov, Wit, J-Rod, Bucket we talked about before of guys who like they i i think they could both be worth 10 plus dollars next year, but they certainly haven't shown it yet. And I don't want to put money on them for that reason. Then I get down to your $5 Adelis Garcia and sorry.
0: <laughs> Garcia. I
2: mean, he he's another interesting one like he is a low on base guy and he is just a low on base guy. And I think he's always going to be a low on base guy, but when you need five outfielders, that depth matters. And he had 27 home runs and 88 RBIs and put up a good slugging percentage. And like, honestly, I think the, the, the thing with, with Garcia that I think is interesting is I think he is probably a, let's call him a ten to twelve dollar outfielder already, and it wouldn't take a ton for that on base percentage to jump fifteen to twenty points and move him up a tier. So I'm going to put at least a dollar on him. I'll start by putting one dollar there. Uh Dre Jameson, I really like, but he's another guy who's like he hasn't really proven it yet. We talked about Tarek Skubal before and Josiah Gray before, guys who like. I, I like the upside. Scooball at seven dollars. I could see pushing him to eight, but I probably won't just because I'm waiting to hear what's going on with this injury. Okay, now we get into sort of the the meat of your your roster. We get up to like the eight nine dollar range, and Tony Gonsolin at nine dollars. Tristan McKenzie, who's now up to ten dollars. He was at eight, but he's already gotten a couple of dollars of arbitration and. Those feel like guys who deserve some dollars thrown at them. And so I'm probably going to put another <laughs> dollar on Gonsolin. I'm not going to touch McKenzie because already got a couple bucks. You got Jazz. You got your $10 Jazz has been pushed to 12 How do I feel about it? I, I go so back and forth on Jazz, as you know. Man. On the one hand, like I don't think there's any chance you would cut him if I pushed him to 13 On the other, I don't <laughs> know that I really need to. Oh, and then there's that Christian Javier. He's got $5 on him already. That pushed him to 12 Tyler Molly, Tanner Houck. You got a $13. Dal- Dalton Varsho has been pushed to $15. I don't think I need to push him further than that. Giolito, Catal Marte, Eloy Jimenez. Then you got this $33 Corey Seager, who's been pushed to 34 And I think I might go after Seager because like, He's probably a thirty-five-ish dollar shortstop, but then when you add in inflation and like figure that his his third, let's let's say he's a thirty-dollar player. Either even with like twenty-dollar twenty percent inflation, thirty percent inflation, he gets pushes up to thirty-five plus, and he's still only making let's see thirty-four. So I'll push him to thirty-five. So that's what I'm gonna do with my three dollars: one on Seager one on Gonsolin, one on Adelis Garcia. There we go. Nudge them all up a buck.
1: I think they all... What are your reactions
2: to that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was... So I was surprised Gonsolin hadn't gotten touched yet. It's amazing. How much his value went down after his injury? I mean, the the way yeah. that people were talking about Gonsolin, uh, you know, I you know, I listen to fantasy baseball today. It feels like I bring it up every episode, and they were talking about him as like a top fifteen starter, top twenty starter at the worst. And that's not me firing shots at them. I I listen to their words, and I was like, man, Tony Gonzalez, huh? And then he went down with injury, and in this pitcherless mock draft, I want to pull that up because I want to see where he went. I'm not going to be able to see. I, I, I'm not going to take the time to see what what numbered pitcher he was coming off the board Gonzalez got drafted in the 11th round of a 12 team league and names that went ahead of him were like chris bassett logan gilbert uh, lance lynn just names that i wouldn't have expected would be even in the conversation before Gonzalez got hurt so i was surprised to see he hadn't had any dollars put on him and obviously i shouldn't have got excited because he deserved it. Adelis Garcia was definitely one of my better pickups. um, So it totally makes sense. I totally get the dollar on him, even though he hurts me in slugging. I mean, uh, on base percentage on base. Yeah. Yeah. He still helps everywhere else. And then, yeah, Seager, if you remember, I traded you Manny Machado. It, I clearly wasn't going to win the league and Machado was one of my massive contracts. And I sent him to you back when Miguel Vargas had a lot more hype. Not that I'm out on Miguel Vargas by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) And it was basically, I was choosing between Seager and Machado. I was thinking like next year, I'm going to hold on to one of these guys. So what can I get for either of them? And, and obviously that was the trade that came to fruition. So I, I do want to keep Corey Seager. So I'd be interested to see what happens to him as arbitration continues.
2: Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've got to go through and look at all the other teams and figure out, you know, that might result in me moving some dollars around. But I think those three guys are, I feel good about those targets for now. Yeah, definitely good choices. So Chad, one more time, if you want to talk about that article and, and folks have an idea of when it's coming out, it might be two articles now, anything you want yeah, to share with the be good two. people. My, my guess is the, the first piece will come out on Tuesday and the second piece on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm also, this, it'll be over at Fangraphs. I'm also working. I, I posted last week an article on starting pitcher arbitration targets guys that I think based on their average salary across lots of leagues might get targeted. I'm going to try to go through each position. It'll just be a few names, but some names. And I, I think to to me, like the way I would use that is not like, Oh, Chad said this guy's a target. I should go find him and put dollars on him because different players have different prices in different leagues and they won't always be the same, but it'll give you a sense of like the types of players I'm interested in, the way I'm thinking about things guys who, if they're inexpensive, might be good targets. So, you know, you can use those. I I don't know what position I'll do this week. It'll just be a surprise. But if you follow me on Twitter at Chad Young, I'll try to remember to tweet out my stuff. But yeah, keep an eye out for that stuff.
1: Awesome. Uh, Yeah, so be on the lookout for all those articles, guys, and and follow Chad at, at Chad Young. So you have it hot off the press. Follow the show at at Keeper Cut. Continue to send us questions, even if they're about arbitration, just because we've recorded our episode doesn't mean that we won't get back to you and you can follow me for some celtics thoughts over the next couple of months at pete b baseball folks thanks for listening to episode 79 and we will see you in a couple of weeks